you would turn in your Bibles to a verse, you may have a hard time finding it, uh, Romans 8, 28. If you need any help, ask the person beside you, they may can help you. Would y'all mind standing again? I know that we've been up once, but um, from time to time, I think it's good to kind of break the tradition of doing it the same way every time. Now, somehow can we, can we emphasize the fact this is God? God has a word for every one of us that's in this room today, every one of us that's listening, the live streaming watching. He has a word. Now, I think I know some direction about what I'm going to say, but I'm so confident. I'm so confident that the Holy Spirit knows what you need at this very moment. And since he's the really the, the teacher, he will minister the word to you. But let it let God speak to you. Don't 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 entertain a whole bunch of other things going on in your mind while we're trying to, to proclaim the word. Resist that. Uh, your mind drifting away on things or whatever. Just let's see if we can't really get a word from God as a, each individual person that knows Christ. So uh, verse uh, 28, 29, And we know, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed, to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Now I would challenge you to do the research as we've said it so many times. And we know that all, study the Greek, it means all. All things. And so as we look out here, there's such a vast, such a vast variety of trials. That's described in the book of James. The variety, it's variegated. It's the variety of trials that we all are facing. We all each, you have yours, I have mine. We all have our trials. But God's word, and if we, if we don't believe this, then we might as well go play something else, do something. Because if we're here today and we really believe, and we know, do you, I, I mean, let's get, we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. Let's pray. Father, we are in kindergarten as we think about these verses, how many times we've been taught by scholars. We've heard sermons. We've read commentaries. We've read Notes, and here we are once again, and apparently you want to say to us, wherever we are, whatever we're struggling with, whatever circumstances we face, you're wanting to speak to our hearts as your children that all things, you in your sovereignty, your majesty, all things work together for good. And you're conforming us to the very image of your precious Son, the Lord Jesus. I pray today if there's anyone here in the sound of our voice that is missing or has missed salvation, somehow they're confused, somehow they've been told works, somehow they've been told baptism, something else. 
Father, I pray that they would realize that Jesus is the only way to heaven. And that, Father, it is only by faith in him and the finished work on Calvary, the work that he's already done, the work he's already paid for, the sin debt he paid for us. Faith in him, believing on him, is the only way to go to heaven. No other way. And I pray that today would be a great day as we worship you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, you may be seated. Well, the Lord continues to take me back to these messages about the classrooms. About the classrooms. That's just what he... It's kind of like camping out there. Just can't get away from it. And so the Word of God, we've been over it. We, we, we read it. The Word of God says that God uses all things in His sovereignty. And that's really hard for the human mind to really comprehend. How, that, how can God work when I have a free will and I'm making decisions and some of them... I, I've talked to several folks about some of the stuff that we face is self-inflicted. You know, may I just, don't throw this back at me, please, okay? I like to be transparent. They said not to do that in, in seminary. I just can't help. But let's just say, if by chance, I have too many cows. Okay? And I'm complaining. In fact, I just told my sister, I said, I actually go out and they... When I get the, I have a feed sack, they can, they bump me and literally they will knock you down and step on you going for the feed. And she said, Roddy, you know, several people a year in America get killed by cows just doing that. I said, yeah, I know. So if I complain, I've got too many cows. Well, whose fault is that? Y'all see what I'm saying? Some things we bring on ourselves. Some things are self-inflicted. Some things happen because of our choice, our decisions. And some things just happen out of the clear blue and you have nothing, you don't, have a, you don't know where it came from, but you know because of the Word of God, you know God permitted it. He allowed it. So this is why we have to revisit and revisit and revisit. And we need to be reminded that God is saying, and we know that all things work together. Even when I make a wrong, wrong decision... God is going to work it together for our good, for those who love God. It, it's His sovereignty. It's His sovereign character. It's who He is. It's His all-knowing love. Folks, I love to listen to Billy Graham, Dr. Billy Graham. God loves you. Isn't that, I mean, is that awesome? Simple and just people just fall. Because God loves you. But you need to know that today. You need to be reminded that today. That God really does love you. He loves you in a way. You know we talk about. I said it. I don't have any time. Two or three times my wife on the way in. I mean I'm sorry. I'm just enamored by her. I can't help it. 50 years plus, I, I mean, that sun shining in on her face and that smile. And I just, I tell her, I say, I, I just can't get my eyes off you. And she says, please keep your eyes on the road. But we think we love. We think we know something about love. But we, listen, God lo really does love us. And, and, and is... We're his children. If we're born again, you've been saved. You've come to Jesus, believed on him. 
He's, and this is something that they don't tell you the first when you walk the aisle. Most preachers don't tell you this. Oh, by the way, hang on for the ride because God's going to start this process called being conformed to the image of Christ. And you say, well, I, I, that's, nobody ever told me that. You mean he's going to be chipping away at the things that are unchristlike in my life? He's going to use all these different trials and circumstances and, and finances and health and jobs and, and people. And he's going to do all that to kind of chip away at, at me to make me more like Jesus. So I'll respond when I'm falsely accused and when, when uh, people are lying about me that I'll respond like he responds. I mean, is that, is that where I'm headed? See, that, not all churches are telling folks that. So we're being conformed to the very character of his son. Now, I want to say something. A few weeks ago, and I believe this. I believe what I, I said a few weeks ago, that we are commanded in Scripture to forgive one another as we have been forgiven. We've been forgiven completely, right? So we forgive each other completely. But I also added something I had not been saying over the years too much, but I wanted to emphasize it. I, I've, I added that we, are, we do forgive. We are commanded to forgive, but forgetting, that's not as easy to actually just wipe it out of your mind, that it's never going to reoccur, that thought's never going to come back of that hurt or that statement somebody made or that action it, it it we're to forgive but there's no guarantee right off the bat that you're going to forget about it you're going to have to deal with it. it's going to maybe pop back up so you that's where taking captive every thought we went over that you take captive every thought so when that when that thought, that hurt comes to your mind, it comes, or that offense comes before your mind, you take that thought captive. And you just allow the Lord and His power and His strength to take, tear it down so it doesn't take hold, doesn't take root in your, in your heart. So you take captive every thought. You resist. You resist the devil and he will flee from you. In the same way, that we may not can forget an offense. We try, we work at it, and if you've got a good forgetter, then maybe you're further along than some of us. But just, just like that, all things work together for good. I'm not going to stand here and promise you that all of us just like boom, we all are going to understand. why we're going through what we're going through. We may not totally understand. Now, I do believe, I do believe that when I'm disobedient and it's discipline, God, God makes it real to me in my heart and He lets me know why He's taking me to the woodshed. But I'm not convinced that, that initially we're all going to know everything about the why a certain thing happened in our lives. I think as time goes along, you'll see some reasons possibly, but initially, maybe not. So as we grow, though, in maturity, we must learn to completely, this is as you grow, you, you're growing in the Lord, you, you begin to trust Him fully. Even when it doesn't make sense, even when it doesn't add up, even when it, it is one of the most challenging things you've ever been through in your life, you learn to trust Him. So as time goes along with each passing trial, as you mature, you're gaining confidence. Okay, You're gaining confidence in your Father, not in your abilities, not in your strength, not in, you know, well, I've, I'm, I've learned how to weasel out of things like this. You know, that's not, you're, you're learning how to have confidence in your father. Faith in your father. 
that you're, and this is a, a saying that's out there, but it's very, very true. And don't take it, don't make it small or insignificant. God makes no mistakes. No matter what, God makes no mistakes. Now, when we're first new in the Lord, young in the Lord, it may be very difficult to really trust God in these difficult trials. I, I've told this story several times, but we had a young couple back before this building. We were over in the other building and the young couple gotten saved. And I remember right outside the office there, they, they stood there and he, he told me, he said, I don't care what the devil throws at me. We are on fire for Jesus and we're going to, you know, I mean, he just said, bring it on, Satan. Well, he's now divorced. He's struggling or has struggled. So just be aware that there, there are forces, wicked, evil forces going to come against you and try to do everything they can to discourage you, assault you. But, but we need to but understand this whole idea of growing, growing in grace. Turn, if you will, to 2 Peter Second Peter 3.18. 2 Peter 3.18. Just a verse. I want to show you a little something that might be encouraging to you. And every word, see, you, just, you can pull out a word and, and, and emphasize a single word, but look at the context. Look at how it all goes together. But verse 18, but grow, we're talking about you started off as an infant with the Lord, and it's challenging to understand some things. Why is it so hard? All things work together for good, but that doesn't really make a lot of sense when you're an infant in the Lord. But as you grow, so the scripture says, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and forevermore. Or forever. Amen. So growing in grace. Growing in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Have you ever noticed this? Well, I'm sure you have. Any student of the Word would notice this is how Peter ended the book, but look how Peter started the book. Look at the first chapter of 2 Peter, verse 2, 1-2. Grace, look at this, this is amazing. Grace and peace be multiplied. Unto you through the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. He ended, but grow in grace. He ended the book with that idea. And he started the book with grace and peace be multiplied unto you. Through the knowledge. Do you see how it connects there? How it goes together? If you want to grow in grace, it comes from the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. It's amazing that in John 8, 31 and 32, now this is grace being multiplied. This is like mega grace. It's multiplied. It's ongoing. That's If you study the original language, you'll see it's ongoing. It's multiplied. But Jesus, in John 8, 31, said this, 31 and 32. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, if you continue 
continue in my word. If you continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. And ye shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Continue in my word. So let me say something that I believe with all of my heart. That when we talk about growing in the grace and in the knowledge of God and Jesus Christ, you need to understand what knowledge is. This word, this whole concept, this truth is more than gaining information. Do you all hear? I, I see a nod or two. I see a nod or two. It's more than just gaining information that you can spout off and impress people with. This is a knowledge that I know my Father. And listen, I'm going to tell you something. Hear me, please. When you hear voices in your head, when you have knowledge of the Father and you know Him in the context, the way this is intended, when you know Him, you can discern and say, that was not my Father. Do you get it? That voice, that thought was not my Father because you know Him. I can tell you, and I don't want to chase this rabbit, but there are doctrines that I believe support man's humanity, the view of man. But I can tell you, it's not from the heart of my Father. Because when you know your Father, you learn of His heart. Are you, I think you are. I really do think you are. But that's, that's this knowledge that you grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Knowledge is more than information. It's more than just facts. It goes much more deeply. It is a relationship. Not information. Information's good. Don't get me wrong. All that all adds up. I mean, you can't go you can't go wrong by learning the word of God. But you need, along with the knowledge, just information, you need to know your father. You need to learn his heart. You need to know when he's speaking to you. You need to know that's him. Daddy, Abba, Father, I know I hear you. That's my father speaking to me. He's talking to me. And the world is buzzing around and people are on the internet and on their phones and all. And here I am. And God, God is speaking to me. Praise the Lord. And he'll do that. He'll speak to you if you let him. If you declutter your mind with all the stuff so you can be still long enough to hear him. I've come up with my own little saying, didn't read it anywhere. So if, it, if it's a big hit, you know where you got it. Straight from God. Grow to know. Grow in grace and in the knowledge. So grow to know. Grow to know your Father. Let Him speak to you in the crucible of life when you're crying out in the middle of the night and you're hurting so bad. You said, I've never felt pain like this. I've never felt anything like this. 
and you wake up in the middle of the night, and I've never felt it like this. It hurts so bad. And then you hear your father speak to you. I'm going to tell you, there's nothing to compare to hearing from the voice of your father. Nothing. Nothing. Don't let the world try to substitute other things. Good feelings, the, the rocky music to make you feel good. Don't let, Be still and let him speak to your heart. He's a loving father and he cares. He cares about his children more than you and I in this life will ever really imagine. Now, let me point this out. I've preached series on these things. I've done it several times in the time I've been here. Several times, so we're not going to do that. But I just want, I just want you to, to notice the picture of growth. This is what this is. And beside this, giving all diligence, verse 5 of chapter uh, 1, 2 Peter. And beside uh, this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue. And virtue, knowledge. And to knowledge, temperance. And to temperance, patience. And to patience, godliness. And to godliness, brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness, charity. For if, now look at this. This is such a powerful. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But if he that but he that lacketh these things, if these aren't in you as a believer, he's blind and cannot see afar off, and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Terrible consequences. Picture of growth. I mean, we've gone through and we've given the Greek word for every one of those and all the different meanings and others have preached on it. But you just simply, this is a picture of growth. Add, add to your character this, then add this and add this and let God do this in your heart. That's growing. That's growing in God's grace. Can't you see the progression? Can't you see it unfolding? In your very life. That's a, grow, that's a picture of a growing Christian. That's what ought to be taking place in our lives. And as these things are added. Guess what? You begin to gain confidence in your father. In his what he's doing. That doesn't maybe make sense. But you begin to go back to Romans 8.28. You say. But I am confident. That all things are working together for good. I can't explain it. I don't understand it. I don't know why. But I am certain that God's using all things, these things in my life, to grow me up. Help me to grow and to, and to change me, conform me in the very character of my Lord. You have confidence. You, build, you gain confidence as time goes along. It's growing to that point where you have a better understanding as to possibly why. You can begin to see. I can look back on things that I initially, initially I just would throw up your hand and say, I just can't believe this has happened. I don't understand it. Why, Lord? And then, you know, five years down the road, you begin to think, well, I know now a little bit better. Why? It's beginning to make a little bit of sense. Why? May not ever know completely. Now then, it's a growing certainty that takes place as we mature in Christ, okay? It's a growing certainty, not in me, not in my abilities, but in confidence in my Father, that He's in complete control, He's allowed it, He's permitted it, He said yes to it, and it came into my life, and here I am. Now, we have a response. That's the second part of the message. We can have a response. The proper response is what we referred to a week or so, two weeks ago. The proper response is what Job said, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. That's the proper response, though he slay me. You lose it all, lose your kids, lose 
your fortune. Lose it all. And your, your wife's giving wrong counsel. Your friends are giving wrong counsel. Everybody around you saying, you know, curse God and die. Why don't you get it over with? Proper response is, though he slay me. Look, folks, it's, it is, some of you may be right there. Though he slay me, I feel like he is slaying me. Yet will I trust him. Yet will I trust him. Now then, let me just make a couple of quick comments. When you read that account of Job, though he slay me, and you've read the account of how it all happened and what all was taken and what all, how it all came about, it's a lot easier to read about. <laughs> it's a lot easier to read that story than it is to live that story. Y'all agree with that? It's a whole lot easier to read about it than it is to live about it. It's actually easier to hear somebody else's story. And you can sit there and say, I'm with you, brother. So sorry, I feel your pain. That's a whole lot easier than you being the one in pain. Y'all, do y'all hear what I'm saying? I mean... It's just, it's one of those things, it's kind of like, you know, if you've never walked in those moccasins, I mean, it's just um, very, very, I, I asked my sister for permission to use this next thought, but she, you know, think about it, Rod had West Nile, <clears throat> didn't know if he's going to live or die, ended up having to retire early, those kind of things, you know, so much. But as someone said on the other side of West Nile, he's become a prayer warrior. He prays for the every person in the pew. He goes down the list. I mean, he's praying for us even now. And you think, how much more can they take? They love to garden. That's kind of his thing. I mean, he is a master gardener. So the old tiller quit working. They go out and buy a new tiller. The day, Carolyn said, it's not my thing to assemble stuff, but I did. I assembled it. They're in their garden, excited about the new piece of equipment, going to have a new tiller to work with. And then he takes that tragic fall, shatters the knee above or his leg above the knee replacement. I talked to her earlier. We've texted back and forth. Talked to her just a while ago. Her statement to me was, and she said, I mean, I mean this. Rod, it could be a lot worse. And so I asked her permission for that, and she said, yes, that's my go-to. She said, I go, I go to that often. Yes, this is tough. No doubt about it. But I know it could be worse. See, that's kind of the message I've tried to encourage some of y'all as you've gone through your trials through the years. Please, please be encouraged. I mean, I, I, we hate it. We're, we hate it for the struggles that you've been through. But there are worse things than what you're facing. And so, <clears throat> you might say, well, nobody understands. Well, let me tell you who does understand. And what's his name? Jesus. No one understands like Jesus. If I could sing, I'd just break out in song right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that'll, that'll, we'll have a rapid response at the imitation. And the response would be exiting the door. But uh, so the proper response, we have a choice. We have a choice about how we're going to respond to our trials and our circumstances. The proper is, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. But then there's a warning in Hebrews 3, 8, 3, 15, 4, 7. Harden not your hearts. Because, folks, I've seen it 
firsthand church members, people that are on fire for Jesus, go through challenges, go through, and you can either, you can respond properly or you can let the bitterness eat your lunch. And, and, it, and it has eaten some people alive, if you will. The bitterness. The bitterness. Harden not your hearts. As in the day of provocation. Don't harden your hearts. See, when you're hurt, it's kind of like, I hate to compare it, but it's kind of like the dog gets run over. I mean, you go over there to help and then they snap. Because they're in pain. See, when you're hurting, when you're hurting, please, don't let, don't harden your hearts. Don't, that, the, I, I reread the parable of the sower. Matthew 13. All the different types of soil. The cares of the world. See, if you're, if you're, if you're bitter and your heart begins to become hardened, then all of a sudden, the things that used to never entice you, all, they can start enticing you. You say, you know, why did that person? I mean, they used to be, have such a godly walk, and you've seen it. You've seen people. You've seen the change in their lives. Why aren't they still walking with the Lord? They're off doing all these other things. Probably because their heart got hard, and the enticement, the things of the world started enticing them, and they started being drawn to those, and they started giving into that. So there's real danger. Real danger when your heart begins to get hard. The seed, you see, the seed wants to land on good soil. It wants to land on good soil. So you need to constantly cry out to God, God, keep my heart tender. As my wife prays, Lord, keep me needy. Don't let me be independent. I don't want to be independent of you. I don't want to be stubborn. I want to be pliable. I want to be good ground, good soil for the seed to land on. May I also say something about our humanity? And even if you have the proper response, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. May I say to you that there's nothing wrong you say, well, I shouldn't be doing this. Or having tears. You shed tears. You can feel, you can have feelings. You feel hurt. You feel pain. You can even, now not that you stay, see, you don't stay. That's the whole idea of resisting and fighting against the, the, the bitterness. You don't allow it to, to fester. You just keep doing the, taking captive every thought. But you can, there's discouragement that can come, like overwhelmed with just discouragement. And that's a human emotion that, that people feel. But you resist that. You don't stay there. You don't keep nursing that and nurturing it. It, it comes, but you resist it. You feel pain. You feel, you have emotions. You can even feel, please hear this, you can even feel very alone. You can feel very alone. Disappointed. Be disappointed in others, disappointed in people, disappointed in what's going on, disappointed in how your life's turning out. But please don't stay there. Don't allow your mind, your heart to stay there. You have to fight. You have to resist. You have to put on the full armor of God you have to take captive every thought. All the things that you've been taught, it's warfare. It's spiritual warfare. Satan is wanting to disable you. Satan's wanting to end the journey, your testimony. He can't, if you're a believer, he can't have your soul. He can't determine your destiny. That's already been determined by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. But he can knock you out of the fight if you let him. If you let him. So it's imperative that we don't stay there. Get in God's word. Continue in my word. Jesus said. To the believing Jews. 
Now, listen, I want you to listen to this. Dick Bauckham. How many of you know Dick Bauckham? When I say the name Dick Bauckham, he is the missionary that our church probably has supported longer than any single missionary. Dick Bauckham, missionary to China. I know over 25 years we've supported him. And, and he's, he's told us when he's come, he's told us that uh, our church probably gives the largest check of any of the churches supporting them. So he's back in the States. Aaron spoke with him just the other day. He's working in Washington State with groups. He's ministering. So he sent in the last few Saturdays, he's been sending me a text saying, Brother Rod, I just want you to know that Trish, that's his wife's name, Trish and I are praying for you as you prepare for tomorrow. I mean, think, think about that. I wonder how many church members prayed for me yesterday while I was preparing for today. We've got a missionary on the other side of the country praying for this service, this sermon, this message today. He sent a, a three different quotes from Charles Spurgeon, but I just selected one to read to you. It's real short, but I want you to listen. It goes hand in hand with this. You, this is powerful. You will observe that the desire to commute, this is Spurgeon, okay? You will observe that the desire to commune with God is intensified by the failure of all other sources of consolation. Do you, I'm going to read it to you again because you need to get this. Listen, you will observe that the desire to commune with God is intensified by the failure of all other sources of consolation. Now, I'm going to tell you what, I got that yesterday and I said, boy, if I can't preach after that, my wood's wet. So be in the word, you're going to grow, you're going to begin to understand and, and let God speak to you. Get in the word, spend time with him in prayer, getting to know him. God allows trials to come into our lives not to harm us not to hurt us. He allows trials to help us get to the... Please, please. I, he, he allows trials to come in our lives so that we will get to the end of ourselves. See, we, we are so independent. We are so, so self-sufficient. But He allows trials so that we get to the end of ourselves. Now, isn't it amazing that one of our favorite passages, and I've started many a year with the passage in Philippians 3.10, where the Apostle Paul was writing, that I may know him, that I may know him, and the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his sufferings. Isn't that kind of amazing? That's what this whole thing is about, that we would get to know him better. I said a few weeks ago that in my time here since 1986, I don't remember a time when more people were in pain. I stand here before you today and I say the same thing. Since 1986, I do not know of a time when there's been more pain in the body. But the real difference is how we respond to the pain, to the things that God permits to come into our lives. 
You may be, and you very well could be, and some of you for certain are, in the most difficult days of your life. You just thought, it's kind of like my grandmother, she used to say, this is the worst cold I've ever had, or this is the coldest winter we've ever had. And I know some of us said that trial that we had last year, that was the worst trial, but now you're in a new trial and you're saying, this undoubtedly is the worst trial I've ever had to face in my life. Would you please today join your brothers and sisters in prayer, knowing that, that there are a lot of hurting people, we're not going to name names, but all things, the Bible, God's saying to us, my child, I'm working all things together for your good. That's to conform you to the image of my son. God makes no mistakes. He is good all the time. I encourage you to grow in grace. Based on the word, grow in grace. Go, grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. There is no one you can count on ever any more than your Heavenly Father. He is available to all of us even now. During this time, He's wanting, I'm confident, more confident as I finish this, I'm more confident now than even when we started. I'm confident. He's wanting to speak to your heart so you would hear him and you would hear him say, I'm here for you. I love you. I'm available. You can count on me. You can trust me. I've asked Aaron, I know, I know it's kind of like the menu. Once I find something on the menu, I kind of stick with it. I contacted Aaron yesterday and asked him to sing a certain song that I just love. But it really kind of concludes this message. Aaron, would you come? I want you all to listen. Be in prayer. This can be kind of like the beginning of the invitation. If you want to come forward and kneel and pray, feel free. Whatever, however God leads you. But I've asked specifically for this song because it, it ministers to us when we're hurting so bad. And they know, they understand hurt and pain. They've, they've been there. And they understand it. Don't forget that. So Aaron, why don't you... Won't you lead us and then we'll have our invitation. Lately I've been looking back along this winding road. To the old familiar markers of the mercies I have known. I know it may sound simple, but it's more than a cliche. There's no other way to tell you but to say, God's been good. In my life, I feel blessed beyond my wildest dreams when I go to sleep each night. Though I've had my share of hard times, I wouldn't change them if I could, cause through it all, God's been good. 
Times replay and I can see that I've cried some bitter tears But I felt his arms around me as I faced my greatest fears I've had more gains than losses and I've known more joy than hurt As his grace rolled down upon me undeserved God's been good in my life I feel blessed beyond my wildest dreams when I go to sleep each night though I've had my share of hard times I wouldn't change them if I could cause through it all God's been good. God has been my Father, my Savior, and my friend. His love was my beginning, and His love will be my end. I could spend forever trying to tell you everything He is. But the best way I could say it is this. God's been good in my life. I feel blessed beyond my wildest dreams when I go to sleep each night. And though I've had my share of hard times, I wouldn't change them if I could, cause through it all, God's been